Welcome to the podcast that showcases the rural town careers and opportunities you need to know about. Welcome to What's Your 9 to 5. Guys, how are you doing? How are you doing? Are you so ready for this podcast? I know I am. I'm super <laughs> pumped about this because we're interviewing Danielle Collins. She is a policy analyst for the Ontario Federation of Agriculture. Um, it's a really good cause. And what else is, uh, who else we got? And on? Ali Spielmarker, who's won so yes, many yes. awards and special things in the 4-H club. So we get to learn all about that today. Yeah, and I'm interested to learn about 4-H because, to be honest, I don't know that much about I don't know that much about 4-H, and I know it's a big thing about for uh, youth who are getting into agriculture around here. But um, but uh, I've never really worked on a farm in my life, and uh, I can't say that I know anything about that. So this will be good for me, and it'll be good for other people who are interested in it. I'll give an insight about what. Well, not really what they do on farms, but what you can do if you want to go into that industry. What's fun about it? What's fun about agriculture? 4-H. And hopefully Danielle can tell us about all the things she tries to do to help out farmers from around here. Um, She's not originally from here. So yeah, I cannot wait to get into this. So um, let's do it. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, first on the podcast today, we have 4-H extraordinaire, Ali Spielmacher. How you doing, Ali? Good. How are you guys? We are doing great. Um, tell us about 4-H and uh, how you first got started in it. Okay, so 4-H, it's a non-for-profit organization. Uh, pretty much every province has it. There's 4-H Canada. Um, I guess one thing I'm going to throw out there quick is it's not just um, animals and that kind of agriculture. A lot of people assume that, but it's um, there's you know baking and homemaking and outdoor things. Like there's so many different areas of 4-H. It's kind of hard to explain it to someone that hasn't really experienced it. Um, for me, I have been a part of Dairy 4-H, Beef 4-H, and Sheep. I also led a rabbit club a few years ago and oh, wow. been part of a life skills club. So for me, um, my one side of the family live on farms. So it's kind of like a tradition for everyone in my family to be a part of 4-H or at least give it a shot and see if you like it. And I ended up loving it. So it's been a, it's been a huge part of my life for a while now. And sorry, how did you get involved with it at the beginning? Uh, just family, I guess. Um, my mom did it. My grandparents did it. So it, uh, I just kind of joined and that's how it went. <laughs> That's awesome. And I, I actually did not know there was like different categories of 4-H, but I guess that makes sense. Um, so what skills has uh, 4-H kind of helped you to learn? Um, really, it's shaped me all over as a person. Um, you learn good communication skills because you're constantly dealing with group members, with your um, leaders, with people in the community because we do go out and do shows or we like to interact a lot with the community as well. So good communication, a lot of self-confidence because part of 4-H with the um, sheep and dairy that I'm in, we learn how to judge. So classes of animals or fruit or art or anything like that, really, we learn how to speak and how to properly give reasons on as to why we would place things a certain way. So you have to get have good confidence that way. And even just uh, speaking to people in the public about 4-H and uh, letting people know what it's about has given me a lot of confidence in myself. And then public speaking um, through 4-H, I got into the ambassador program at my fall fair and that really improved my public speaking skills because when I was younger it was not for me that's for sure 
Yeah. And uh, responsibility as well. I mean, you're taking care of an, another animal and, and caring for it and washing it and, you know, uh, feeding it and all those kind of things. So to be responsible for another living thing is huge. And then, of course, teamwork, because we're constantly dealing with members and you go to the Royal Winter Fair as a team, as a team from Gray County. So you have to work together and, and uh, try to do well. So, yeah, there's all kinds of skills, honestly. Just me as a whole person is from 4-H. So what kinds of uh, misconceptions are about 4-H and basically agriculture as well? Um, a lot of people believe that 4-H is only for farm kids, I'd say. And for me, I never grew up on a farm. I've always lived in town, but my family lives on a farm. So that's how I got involved. But there are also, there's so many people that I do 4-H with that have just always loved animals and got hooked up with somebody that has a farm and, and that's how they do it. And I think that we really need to advocate and tell people that just because you're from town or just because you don't live on a farm or have animals doesn't mean you can't be involved. And with that, a lot of people believe that um, it costs a lot of money to be in 4-H and yeah, you have to pay for your registration, like as you do with any kind of thing, sports or any clubs, but you can, there's so many farmers and people out there that are willing to help kids that don't have access to these things and are willing to loan out calves or loan out sheep or whatever it is just to keep agriculture very prominent in our area. Because I find that as we're moving into more like technological base, there's not a lot 4-H isn't promoted as much like the hands-on learning isn't necessarily a big thing anymore so um, people need to know that just because you don't live on a farm you can do anything and uh, also like I said before that it's not just animals that you could there's sewing knitting like bread there's a potato club like great county as a county has so many things what was that? Sorry. I need to join a potato club. This sounds sweet. <laughs> I had no idea that was a thing. The potato club, they just, I think you start with the seed, like you grow it and learn about potatoes and what, like what you can do with potatoes after the fact. Like it's crazy. All the things that, that 4-H can do for people. So I, I first wanted to ask you to come on the show when I saw, I saw you in a Facebook post that somebody said, um, that somebody posted and it says you were the first ever recipient of the Jack Westlake award. So how, how does that feel? Honestly, it feels really amazing. I'm truly honored that uh, Jack Westlake's family uh, chose me to be the first ever recipient. Um, I'm pretty sure they're only doing it for five years and um, it's a memorial award. Jack was super involved with 4-H and agriculture in general. So to have them choose me out of so many applicants, it, uh, it's very rewarding because I've put a lot of my life into 4-H and, yeah. and try to help the community. So to be recognized by some, a family like that is amazing. And then like also in that post, I saw like your resume of what you've done through 4-H and there were so, there were so many amazing things in there. If you could let like kind of the listeners know, like what are like kind of some highlights you've done through 4-H? Like what have you all accomplished? Um, well, Along with just being in 4-H clubs, um, I applied to the Hans Larger Service Program, which is a program uh, across Canada. So anybody in 4-H across Canada can apply. And they link up with the club-to-club exchanges that 4-H Canada has. And we go and meet with the club. So I went to Alberta and Manitoba 
Wow. And you go out there and you do um, like a community project. So when we were in Alberta, as the two clubs were together, we built these uh, benches and we dispersed them amongst the community. And then when I was in Manitoba, we built these garden boxes that had benches off the sides and we filled them with flowers. And then we helped at their local ag fair. So it's just kind of giving back to the community that have provides so much for us. So that was one thing I did a few years ago that was really awesome. And you meet so many people in 4-H. I have met people from Alberta, PEI, like every province, and you stay connected because you share a love for something. So that's really awesome. And then last year, I had the opportunity to travel to Madison, Wisconsin with seven other uh, 4-H members, again, from across Canada, um, to the World Dairy Expo, which is the world's biggest dairy show. And people from all over the world go there and bring cows. And it's it was an amazing experience. And it's some th- place I've always wanted to go. So to get selected, uh, one of eight people that got to go was really amazing. That's amazing. Yeah, it was really awesome. How did you get your cows down there, too? You said you brought the cows? Yeah, so we just went as a, like the eight of us just went we didn't take any cattle down there but they <laughs> people like they spend days trucking these cows from canada like over in bc all the way down there there's some people that come from like i want to say england like pro- or countries over there and i don't i don't even want to know how they get the cows there i'm assuming my boat <laughs> i really have no idea but it's awesome we met people from the uk down there and to see, like, to talk about the differences of agriculture, even from Canada to a different country, is it was really cool. It's really cool. You must get to learn from all kinds of different farmers and stuff like that from around the world. Yeah, and then you get to take it back here and try to better programs around here, which is really awesome. I wonder if they have a specific plane that just carries cows. <laughs> there might, there might be. There, there probably be is. That'd be weird. Yeah, we should maybe look into that. I don't know. So we just were talking about all your accomplishments, how you're doing so good. Congrats. Um, when you first started, like I assume you were younger when you started, like did you think you were going to become this successful? Honestly, no. Um, I, yeah, I don't. Going into 4-H, I was just like about the animals. I just loved being uh, like showing the animals, being a part of the show. Like the fair always got me so excited. It's been a huge part of my life since I was a baby. So coming into it I didn't have any expectations really and um honestly a lot of my accomplishments I can uh, contribute to my leaders Shelly and Brian O'Neill they're from the Wyerton Club and I've known them my whole life but they've pushed me so much to apply to these programs or to put myself out there to better myself as a person so to have someone believe in you like that um really gives you the confidence to know you know I can do I can do anything. And after the Hans Larger Service Program was the first one that I thought, wow, like, why haven't I tried to do something like this before? Mm-hmm. So what else do you hope to do with 4-H? Um, well, I'm now done 4-H. Sadly, I'm too old. But once um, I get a few years out of 4-H, I want to go back and be a leader, um, mm. help shape children and give them experiences like I had because I think that's amazing and we need to give back to programs like 4-H that have done so much for me and I want to get really involved in um, camps there's so many 4-H camps across Canada as well I guess I forgot to mention that like just there's leadership camps there's science camps there's yeah it doesn't just have to be agriculture so to get involved in those and help kids from all over Ontario or all over Canada I think uh, would be awesome. Um, so we asked this question to everybody who comes on the show. If you could go back in time 
and talk to 16-year-old Ali Spielmacher, um, what would you tell her? I would tell her to embrace everything, every opportunity you get. Take like a hold of the wheel and like, oh, I don't even know because I've done in the last, all these things I've done has been in the last two years. And that's one thing I regret, regret is not doing it when I was 16 and getting so many more experiences. So I guess just to embrace every moment and put yourself out there and do everything you can because you can't get that time back. So that's so inspiring. I'm like it. <laughs> It is. So I'm, hmm, I'm trying to think. So right now, what are you doing just in general? Like what is going on in your life right now? Um, well, right now I'm trying to finish my nursing degree. Um, obviously COVID's really putting a damper on a lot of that kind of stuff, but trying to make the best of it. So I'm finishing my degree online. And honestly, from there, I really don't know. <laughs> Hopefully get a job in a hospital around home and and then get back into 4-H and the things that I love to do. So, but Really, you got time. You can figure everything out. Did you take a fifth year after high school or what did you do right after, right after high school? Yeah, I took a grade 13 and then I did a year of pre-health at Fanshawe and then now I'm in nursing. So, so well, what are some big challenges that come with nursing? Well, right now, I think the pandemic is one of the big ones. Um, For me, the challenges are just getting the clinical experience, I guess, because of all the limitations we have to COVID, we aren't necessarily allowed in the hospital just because we're students. So getting through that is going to be a bit of a struggle, but I think that we'll work together as a community to get it going. Um, Other than that, uh, not really sure. I guess I'll find out when I get into the into the real world and i'll report back (laughs) awesome so in the future you kind of you wish to continue on with 4-h and kind of just doing stuff with uh, agriculture like is that something you want to always keep in your life yes definitely it's Mm -hmm. always like i said before it's a huge part of my family and how i was raised and how i grew up so to keep that in the community is really big um like in the last few years local fairs are kind of like slowly declining just because it's not promoted as much as I feel it should be. And I think if we can get younger kids to be a part of it and realize how much fun it is and that, yeah, you don't have to be a farm kid and just to how much it brings together a community yeah, uh, would be great. So that's my goal. Um, We'll see how it goes. How do kids get involved? I have never heard like exactly what the process is. Honestly, it doesn't really take much. You just have to, uh, sign up like with 4-H Canada. I think you can just go online and register that way. And then um, you can research all the different clubs there are. And then in your area, just kind of, co- I think they'll give you the contact for the club leader and you just kind of join. Like there's, it's not hard at all. It's, it's, it's awesome too. So. <laughs> no, for sure. Well, um, thank you so much for coming on. I really, uh, really appreciate you speaking. I know agriculture is definitely a, uh, a huge thing here in Grey Bruce. It's a big reason why there's so much work going around and we're a, a big part of that. So um, thank you for speaking out about that because I didn't know that too much about 4-H, to be honest. I'm kind of ashamed of how little I know. I didn't know there's different categories. Potato club? I didn't know there's a potato club. I'm going in it. That'll, that'll be sweet. Um, but th- no, thanks again, Allie. I really wanted to get you on because I know you're a huge adv- advocate for that stuff. And uh, no, we really appreciate it. No, thanks for having me. Okay. Allie Spielmacher, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so much, Allie.
Yeah, thank you. Do you ever want to know what it's like to spark an arc? What a jigsaw is all about or what it's like to cook in an industrial kitchen? Launchpad offers after-school programs for youth ages 12 to 18. We offer a variety of programs for you to find what you're good at. You can find our winter schedule at www.yatc.ca or our Facebook and Instagram at Launchpad. We can't wait to see you in 2021. Hello, everybody. And right now we're going to hear from Danielle Collins. Hello, Danielle. Hi, how are you? We're doing good. So tell us a little bit about what you do. Sure. So I'm a policy analyst at the Ontario Federation of Agriculture, and um, I can talk a little bit more about my position later later in our chat. But basically, uh, I'm supporting the agri-food sector in Ontario and helping uh, farmers do more, grow more and be more successful. So um, why why did you how did you get into this job? Yeah, so I've always been passionate about food and agricultural and rural issues. I grew up in Niagara region, and so I was always kind of surrounded by agriculture and uh, the tourism industry as well. So Mm -hmm. I found it was an opportunity to merge, you know, my passion of agriculture and food with um, my education. Can we go into your education? What did you do after high school? Sure. So I have a very uh, zigzag path from uh, where I started and where I ended up. Um, I was just discussing with a friend. I started off in uh, musical theater and drama in high school, Uh, then did neuroscience in in university, um, infusing rat brains and that type of thing. (laughs) Wow. Uh, Then I did a bunch of traveling and worked in the agri-food and tourism industry and then went back and did my master's in economic development. Um, So it's really hard to say. There's definitely no straight line uh, of how I (laughs) arrived here. Um, But I I think that's really something I wanted to hammer home with our chat today is that even if you don't know uh, what you want to do, you can Mm -hmm. definitely find out what you don't want to do. And so it helps you narrow things down and and learn about new opportunities as you go. Yeah, I like that. So, like, so you're you're probably in the end. In the end, you're probably really glad you kind of got to do all those different things, and you know exactly what you do want to do and what exactly doesn't really work for you. Yeah, and you you develop your skill set. So things mm-hmm. like drama and musical theater. Yeah, I don't break out into song during my work day, but <laughs> unfortunately, <laughs> I definitely have the opportunity to uh, do a lot of public speaking. Um, and, uh, and being comfortable in front of an audience is always a good skill to have. And, uh, you know, science, having an analytical mind helps me in my policy job. So a lot of those pieces fit together and I don't think you need, like, I don't have a a farm background and I think that actually adds to my ability to do my job better because I'm looking at it from a different perspective. Yeah. What did you not like about rat brains, infusing rat brains and stuff in neuroschool? <laughs> you know what? I was always really interested in science and genetics and that type of thing. And so even though I wasn't necessarily good at science, um, you know, it wasn't a natural aptitude, I would say, but just an interest. But but uh, working in a lab all day without um, without human contact was was not something, as you can imagine, I, I'm a social person. So I found that aspect of um of of the job you know to be a little bit challenging so uh, i knew from there on that i really wanted to be able to network and meet people and and connect and and have conversations was a big part of of the job 
Oh my goodness, I talk too much. I'd never be able to do that. So going off of that, you said you didn't like not talking to people. In your job now, do you are you able to talk to a lot of more people? Like what exactly do you like about your job? Yeah, so um, there's obviously a few differences this year with COVID, but prior to uh, the pandemic, um, no two days are the same with my job. So some days I'm working with government and meeting with different people, uh, working in in the different ministries of agriculture and, and economic development. And other days I'm on the road, uh, traveling across the province to meet with farm groups and um, communities to talk about how to grow their agri-food sector and how to help farmers. Um, and, you know, other days I'm taking in webinars or learning um, and, and networking that way at different events and, and conferences. So, uh, yeah, or other times I am sitting at my desk, you know, working on a policy brief or something like that. But there, there's no two days the same, which I think is a really uh, unique and interesting part of my job. Awesome. So what are some challenges with your job? Yeah, so my position was created five years ago and it actually started with me. So that's another interesting story. I applied. One thing I would say is I encourage you to apply for jobs that don't uh, don't necessarily fit your profile. I applied to mm-hmm. OFA as um, as an energy policy analyst, which I admittedly okay. know nothing about. And I was shocked <laughs> when I got a second interview. Um, yeah. And it turns out they've been thinking about economic development for a while, but uh, didn't um, necessarily have a chance to, you know, create the position. So they actually ended up creating the position for me uh, through my interview process. So, you know, you can create your own job, but it definitely exists. And I'd say that the challenge was kind of sculpting out what that would look like. It was the first time the organization had someone in my role. So while that was definitely an incredible opportunity, I was a little unsure at first of where to jump in and, and where to take things. So, um, you know, just, just kind of taking a chance and taking a leap was, uh, was key to, to getting through those first few years. And now I have a bit of a stride going. So I feel oh, for sure. How many years have you been working here? Sorry. Yeah, I've been with OFA for five years now. Awesome. And okay, so you said policy analyst, correct? Yes. So when I hear that, I think you look at policies and you're like, oh, this part's good. This isn't good. Is that what it like? Is that a con- misconception? Like what exactly is different? Like what do you that's not that? Yeah, no. So that's that's a, a, a pretty good summary, actually, of, of what it entails. So essentially, the, the anything that impacts um, farmers, our organization is involved with. So there's eight of us on the policy team and we all have different files. So mine's economic development, which is, like I said, kind of um, from a business perspective, how do we grow the sector? How do we make sure farmers are successful? But there's others working on uh, you know, labor issues or uh, water issues, property taxes, all that type of stuff. So climate change. So anything that uh, impacts farmers from a policy perspective, our team is there. And uh, so a lot of times government will come out with uh, certain policies or programs, and they want advice on whether or not did we mi- did we hit the mark with this? Does this make sense? Uh, or they'll even come to us ahead of time and say, "What do you need?" And we can kind of come to them with recommendations about how to help farmers, or uh, in a lot of cases, how to make it not so prohibitive to keep doing what they're doing. Because as as new policy and regulation come out, a lot of times it can be prohibitive to farmers being able to do their jobs. So back in March, COVID hit. 
obviously, and it kind of affected almost everything. How did it affect your job? Yeah, so our our entire staff team went virtual right away. So the announcements on Thursday and by Monday, everyone was working from home. Um, so we've been working from home since then. Um, and luckily in my job, because um, I already did work a few days from home or on the road, uh, I was already kind of set up and ready to go. But obviously, as I mentioned, with all the conferences and events and networking opportunities, um, many of those have pivoted online now, so I can still connect in that way. But as I'm sure everyone knows, that that never quite feels the same as in person. Yeah. Uh, so we're doing what we can to get through that. And then, of course, you know, the policy environment's already very challenging. And then you add a layer of a pandemic on top of that. So it's been uh, very busy trying to stay on top of all the latest business regulations and funding programs and making sure that our members know uh, what we're doing and what we're up to and uh, what the latest recommendations are. So it's been an incredibly busy time for our team and and trying to do that all in a virtual environment. But, um, you know, we're lucky that we were able to work from home and, and our staff, we actually have 43 staff across the province. So you do have a local rep in your area, uh, Joanne Hughes, who's been a fantastic advocate uh, for farmers in Great Bruce. And, um, and, you know, a lot of those folks already worked from their offices remotely. So luckily, like I said, we were kind of ready and set up for, for an environment like this. And we just had our virtual AGM today. So that was certainly a new experience after having our annual general meeting in person for the last 80 Yeah, wow. Wow. What a streak. But unfortunately, it got ended. So... We ask this question to everybody who comes on the show. If you could talk to 16-year-old Danielle Collins, what, what would you tell her? Yeah, I think this is a really interesting question. And uh, knowing me, you know, I was a, a big fan of academics and, and really uh, always kind of pushing pushing mm-hmm. for top grades and, and kind of really putting pressure on myself to figure out my career right away. And I almost laugh looking back at how how nonlinear my path was. I think I probably changed my my, uh, career direction 15 times since then. And um, I'm sure I will again. So I think really it's about, you know, it's not about figuring out what you want to do, but really building on um, what you like doing and, and, and learning about new opportunities because I had no idea my position now existed and I wouldn't have known I could do it. I, and, and my master's in economic development, I didn't know what that was. Right. So it's hard to really know. And even, you know, by the time 16 year olds uh, are in the workforce, they, the positions available will have changed again with technology and how fast everything is changing. So um, just stay open, stay, uh, try not to stress too much and try to enjoy, yeah. and, uh, enjoy the process. Awesome. Okay. So I know you're with the Ontario Federation of Agriculture and is your job like focused on agriculture specifically? Like, are you, is that mainly what you're doing? Well, so farmers are our members. So we have 38,000 members across the province. And so they pay a membership fee and in turn we advocate on their behalf. So ultimately our, our role is to represent farmers and we do that through like I said, policy, also different programs and uh, projects and uh, communications. Okay, so how, what are some issues with agriculture and like farmers are having in 2020? 
Oh yeah, <laughs> that could be a whole other podcast. <laughs> um, you know, some of the issues are are things we've been advocating for for a while, and I'm sure one of these that will resonate is you know the availability of broadband internet in rural communities. Uh, mm-hmm. It's definitely been something that's risen to the surface that everyone can sympathize with, with uh, yeah. the overcrowded uh, networks right now. So yes. um, as much as we advocate for farmers, we also like they're the backbone of rural communities. So we push for things like expansion of, of broadband Internet, uh, natural gas, like an affordable energy um infrastructure. We advocate for things like rural school closures and that type of thing as well. Um, And then this year, a big thing was labor and the labor force because uh, we have a huge temporary foreign workforce that comes in annually and it COVID hit just as we were expecting all those arrivals. So that Mm. was quite a challenge. Uh, We we were down about 20 to 25% of our usual labor force this year. So, wow. Yeah, so that certainly put a strain on a lot of our farmers who were expecting that workforce to come. And so we actually launched a new project called Feeding Your Future. And I did just want to kind of highlight that briefly because it's a great opportunity for some of the people that listen to your podcast. Mm -hmm. Um, The website's feedingyourfuture.ca. And uh, we have a variety of webinars, virtual career fairs, and different resources We're all over social media as well. And um, it's been a great opportunity. We've partnered with over 14 organizations, including, you know, recruitment services, agcareers.com and careersandfood.com to try to uh, promote opportunities in agriculture and food. So we posted over 800 jobs and ran 10 webinars. We've had 1,500 people participate in our virtual career fairs. Uh, with more to come. So it's been a really successful program and uh, we're really excited that we were able to deliver that this year under a very busy year already. (laughs) Yeah, it's been definitely crazy for everybody. Everybody kind of had to like, it's weird how workplaces almost had to like reset and like completely make up new rules to, well, not new rules, but kind of have to work around all that working from home. It's been a, it's been a big challenge, but that's a really cool, really cool thing you guys are starting up. So uh, we really appreciate it. Um, other than that, do you have anything else you want to kind of plug in here or, or, or tell um, the listeners? Sure. Another, another website I thought uh, if, if people aren't aware of yet is agscape.ca. Hmm. And it's a great organization. Their job is to get agriculture education into schools. And so they have a ton of resources and a lot of information about the types of jobs available in agriculture and food and um, different tools and resources that teachers can actually put into their schools as well. So it's a really neat program. Um, OFA is a huge supporter of the work that they do and we partner with them quite often. Um, and the other one is six by 16, which is a project that OFA also runs, which is to get, uh, by the time you're 16 years old, to be able to create six, uh, nutritious meals yourself. So, um, oh. it's kind of a food literacy campaign to try to encourage, uh, youth to get, get in the kitchen and <laughs> try out yes. hundred percent. And, uh, Hey, if we ever have to go into a second lockdown, it's a perfect time to do it. Perfect time to learn how to cook and bake. I could definitely learn how to cook and bake a little bit better. <laughs> Fingers crossed there's no second wave if we kind of smarten up, but who knows? Who knows right now? <laughs> exactly. Well, thank you so much for coming on, Danielle. We uh, really appreciate it. 
Thank you so much for having me on. It was great to meet you. Yeah, anytime. It was very informative. Thank you. Thank you so much. Okay, well, that's the whole episode, ladies and gentlemen. Potato Club. Yes, Potato Club. I didn't know there were so many things that 4-H does. It's It's really awesome. I just thought it was about cattle. Clean them up, parade them around, which is really cool. But to know that there's things like a potato club, why wouldn't you go join that? It's yeah. just all the opportunities, everything is there. It's so cool. And also, Danielle Collins, thank you to all the work she's doing trying to help out all the farmers in the Gray Bruce area. I know she's got a, probably a lot on her hands. Who knows how many problems they got to go through with policies and all that. So thank you to her for helping us out because it's a huge part of Gray Bruce. And um, thank you so much. True. If we didn't have her, then the farmers would be have a lot more problems, I think. Because yes. people like that are going out to try and help fix everything up we need people like that yeah and these people are putting food on their shelves so we gotta have a big a big big thank you to all of them as well so um thank you for listening guys we really really appreciate it um we're this is the ninth episode um i didn't know how this whole podcast thing was gonna go when i got asked to do it but um this is it's been going great so far we're talking to so many cool people really yeah it's been the highlight of my year so far Definitely. You can uh, support us by listening to us on Spotify or Apple uh, Podcasts, wherever you listen to podcasts, really. And uh, we really appreciate the listens. Remember to stay hydrated and chase your dreams.